Welcome to Saturday night church service. It's nice out again, so you might hear some footsteps. I know uh, my mom actually went to uh, go grab some coffee, uh, and I might say hi to some people as they come in. So if you're online, which I know most of us got used to that a a little bit, a lot of us actually are now tuning in, so that's great. Uh, It's uh, it's been fun going through the Gospel of Mary, and my wife even said it's, it's so timely because Mary really shows up a lot during the end of the Bible and is there uh, when Jesus kind of needs somebody the most. And maybe she got the most spotlight here because everybody else started leaving. But it was uh, Mary who stayed there, and you hear her story, and today we're going to hear her story in a we're going to look at the Gospel of Mary just a little more. So here's the, the book, The Gospel of Mary, by uh, Karen King that I asked you guys to maybe get if you want, or you could refer to it. But if you open it up and you start reading, you'll notice that it can be a sh- kind of strange book because it's not a complete book. If you look at it for yourselves, you'll notice that parts are missing. This shouldn't be a surprise. Over time, papyrus, the paper they used to record these writings on, it can fall apart. If stored well, they can be preserved. If not, they crumble. So we have a few of the stories that were left pieced together along with other papyri that tell us the gospel through the eyes of Mary. Today, before I bring us to the Gospel of Mary, because some parts are missing, I want us to be able to see how it fits into the four traditional Gospels and New Testament, particularly through the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, and Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 15. Because if the Gospel of Mary didn't belong in the story, If it was too far out there, too far-fetched, we'd be able to tell. It wouldn't fit. As we'll see today, I think it fits just right in. In John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, we're introduced to a man named Nicodemus, a wealthy Orthodox Jewish man who was a teacher of the law himself, Jesus taught in synagogues and at the temple back then, just like Paul did, and that probably resembled what we do here at Bible study in our church. Someone reads a passage, and then we sit and discuss it. We talk about it. Max and I might be there, and while we know much of the background of the Bible, the original language of the passage, the context in which it's being spoken about, each individual person has their own way of interpreting it as it speaks to them. And this is a fun exercise to do. It's a fun way of learning that uh, that brings life to passages. And sometimes your interpretations, what we talk about in Bible study, they find their way into the sermons. Jesus was at one of these Bible studies where everyone would have been sharing their interpretations. That's why he would get the chance to speak. After reading, uh, can, you know, can you imagine Jesus at one of your Bible studies, just sitting there next to you? You might lean over to share, 
Jesus, I think you meant to say this. Or maybe somebody else would say, I think he means this. I'm sure Jesus would be happy to come to one of our Bible studies, but we'd all give him our own opinions, of course. After the meeting with Nicodemus, Nicodemus requests to talk with Jesus. After their Bible study, Nicodemus wants to ask Jesus a question. He's blown away by his interpretation, especially since Jesus never went to seminary or school. He's, he was from, you know, the back country, Nazareth. He's blown away by his interpretation of the Torah. He's blown away by the way he talks about scriptures. He's blown away how his, his teachings can actually heal, heal people. People who were blinded by lies. How Jesus could restore hearing to those who couldn't hear the truth. How he could get those who were stuck in procrastination to walk again. And how he could take old teachings, old ways, and inject them with a new spirit, some new meaning. Nicodemus meets with Jesus at night in private. Maybe he doesn't want to get caught talking to this unorthodox guy. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus doesn't like it when people focus on signs or miracles. He says so in the scriptures. He wants us rather to all focus on the truth here, to focus on the big picture, the meta-narrative, his real agenda, which he makes known to Nicodemus by redirecting his statement. He says, very truly, Nicodemus, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom. You see, this is the blindness. People think Jesus really healed. We'd still be able to do that. The blindness Jesus came to remove was how we thought. He says, very truly, Nicodemus, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born anew. They have to be born anew. In order to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again, born anew. I looked that word up on Google, and this is what it told me. I love looking up words and finding out their exact definition. Anew means already existing, experienced, or acquired recently or now for the first time. Isn't that what we have learned here at church about the kingdom of heaven? That the kingdom is already here, that it's all around us, but we just haven't figured out how to fully experience it yet? Jesus often reminds us in the scriptures as to why we can't. You cannot see it until you have eyes to see and ears to hear. So Jesus tells Nicodemus that in order to experience the kingdom, he would have to be born anew. It's the only way. He'll need a new mind. He'll need a new heart, new eyes, new ears, a whole new self. And the only way to replace the current one he has would be for him to be born all over again so that he could relearn to see and hear what he had missed the first time around. Now, Nicodemus is confused 
And he asks, how can anybody be born again after growing old? Can somebody go back into the mother's womb when they're an old person? Jesus may have well said, you can teach an old, you can teach an old dog new tricks. And Nicodemus might have responded, dogs can learn tricks? He doesn't get Jesus' symbolic way of teaching for some reason. And it was common for teachers to teach like this in riddles and parables. So Jesus pulls back the mystery a little bit. And he clarifies by saying exactly what he says again, but a little differently. He says, very truly I tell you, Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. And what is born of the spirit is spirit. Nicodemus, don't be astonished that I said to you, you must be born anew. The Apostle Paul writes about what Jesus is saying here in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul was a disciple of Jesus. He followed the teachings of Jesus. Where we talk about death and dying, Jesus talks about being born again. Listen to Paul as he writes. Someone's going to come along and ask you, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? This is the same way in which Nicodemus is asking, how can we be born again? Remember, Jesus didn't preach that death was the end of human life. He preached that we will not die, but will be born anew. Doesn't that sound like good news? That's good news, right? Anybody, all of us, that's good news. Paul gives us some more insight into the encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus by saying, What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Someone can't be born anew, born again, unless that previous self is gone. There can't be two of you. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed. Does a tomato look like a tomato when you put it in the ground? You just put the bare seed. Does a fig look like a fig when you put it in the ground? You just put a tiny seed. Now follow what Paul's saying. But then, after putting it in the ground, God gives it a body as he has chosen. And to each kind of seed, its own body. Not all flesh is alike. But there's one flesh for human beings. This. We have skin. Another for animals. They have fur. Another for birds. They have feathers. And another for fish, they have scales. Just look at the DNA of all living things. This is true. They are all made up of the same exact molecules. But in those, in those molecules, it contains a code. How did Paul know this all those years ago? In that code is a directive. The tomato knows to become a tomato. The bird knows to become a bird. It knows what kind of body to become, just as Paul is describing here. So he goes on to say, so too. There are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly body is one kind, 
and that of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, right? The sun has a certain kind of light. And there's a glory of the moon that has a reflective kind of light. And another glory to the stars, Paul writes. Those kind of lights are all different too. So it is exactly like the resurrection of the dead. Right? What you put in the ground, that's not what's going to come up, is it? So exactly it is with the resurrection of the dead. So it is when we're born again. Watch this. What is sown perishable, it's put in the ground, this physical body that dies. What is raised, what comes out of it when it dies, what is born again, the coming body, is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. This body's not perfect, is it? But it's raised in glory. No more back pain. No more headaches. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It's raised a spiritual body. As Adam and Eve were of the dust, we will be born in the image of the one who has come from heaven, and that is Jesus, who figured out what it means to be born anew. And he wants us all to experience it now, to know that there's hope coming. Jesus told Nicodemus that he didn't come to perform miracles. He wasn't a magician. He came to tell this very religious man that those who think they find a way to God through reciting script prayers, sacrificing animals, and following man-made cultural rules that, quote, no one can enter the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus says. It doesn't say you can enter the kingdom of God by following this checklist. It says this. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water. Remember when you were baptized? And the spirit. What is born of the flesh, right? what is born this, this doesn't give birth to spirits. And the spirit, what's born of the spirit, gives birth to spirits. He tells Nicodemus, don't be astonished by this. These are the basics. You have to be born anew. But Nicodemus doesn't get it. And Jesus is disappointed in this passage with him. He figured, you should know this. You you study the book all day. And he says to Nicodemus, aren't you a teacher of these things, Nicodemus? Don't you know this book inside and out? And yet you don't understand it? As we'll see throughout the Gospels, Nicodemus isn't the only one. The disciples also are often confused by what Jesus taught. All those guys. There's somebody missing up there. All those guys, if you read the Gospels, they were often confused by what Jesus was saying. They, too, had a hard time shifting to a new way of thinking about God and the nature of life. But a few people did get him. It was often those who were on the margins. Women. Children. And people who felt that religion had left them out. Remember who Jesus hung out with the most? Those who felt like the temple didn't want them anymore. 
It isn't difficult to make a handprint on the sidewalk when the cement hasn't hardened just yet. For those on the margins, Jesus made the biggest impression. This is why I'm not surprised when I read the Gospel of Mary and find it is she who is teaching the apostles lessons that they hadn't yet grasped. Jesus knew Mary would take care of them just as she took care of him when she anointed him with oil at Bethany. As we read last week, what we have of the Gospel of Mary are the scenes that occurred after Jesus was crucified, like the director's cut on your DVD. These are the behind the scenes. Of course, they left these parts out. This is the time when Jesus wasn't around anymore, when the disciples were scared. They were afraid that they might be killed if they went to go do what Jesus told them to go do. Jesus told them, keep preaching. Don't stop. Go tell the good news to the world. In the Gospel of Mary, they say this. Here's the behind the scenes. How can we go to the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom of the human child? If they didn't spare Jesus, look what they did to him. (laughs) They're going to do that to us. Scott Pardee, a member of our church who watches online, he picked up on this phrase, maybe we missed it, the gospel of the kingdom of the human child. I think I left it out intentionally because I wanted to get to it this week. Scott bought this book and read it in one week. (laughs) So he would have noticed, and I'm very glad he did, about that phrase. You see, Mary is more specific about what kind of kingdom was to be preached as good news to the people. The Romans made fun of Jesus, calling him, oh yeah, you're the king of the Jews. They didn't understand the kind of kingdom he was referring to. Only in the Gospel of Mary do we see her reference this phrase that sounds new, maybe even strange. But when you connect it to John chapter 3, the encounter with Nicodemus, and you line it up with Paul's letter to the Corinthians, you can clearly see what she's getting at when she talks about the kingdom of the human child. That the kingdom Jesus was talking about was not one in the clouds, somewhere in outer space. It wasn't under the ground. Rather, it was the one right in front of us. We read in the Gospel of Mary what we have heard many times in the Gospels. And she reminds the often forgetful disciples what Jesus had taught them. She reminds them of the Savior's teaching. And she says this. Tell me this doesn't sound like something Jesus says. Peace be with you. Receive my peace. Be careful that no one leads you astray with come over here or go over there. The human child that's to be born again is within you. Follow that one. Those who seek the child within, they will find him. 
Go then and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Do not follow other words than these I have commanded, these words. And do not establish laws as the lawgiver Moses did, so that you don't get bound up in them. She reminds the disciples that the kingdom of God is not achieved in us by following ordinances. That if I perform perform them well, I'll be able to call myself holy. Self-righteousness doesn't lead somebody to the kingdom, nor does it prepare you for acceptance by a rule-checking God. God's not Santa Claus. God is not like that. She reminds them that the kingdom is something we are growing into and that if we are willing, we can picture the kingdom like a child that exists within us and that if we were to take care of that child, the spirit inside of us, if we were to grow and live healthy lives, that one day a child would be born again out of this dying body. Unfortunately, Peter and many, of, and many of his brothers went on to do exactly what Jesus said not to do. They went on to build churches, build kingdoms, and create more and more rules to bind people up, making them think that if they lived a certain way, maybe they might get a chance to walk through the pearly gates guarded by St. Peter. But let those with ears hear what Mary is saying. The kingdom is not guarded by anyone. Do you think God needs a guard? It is right within us, like a child. And we take care of it by feeding it spiritual milk, by holding it tenderly, not forgetting about it and being mindful of its needs. Jesus said, this this sentence doesn't make sense if what I'm saying isn't true. We don't live on bread alone. We live on what nurtures our mind, that which feeds the inner child within us. Don't forget the one waiting to be born again. To sum up this teaching from the Gospel of Mary, I'll read you a short excerpt from the second letter that's found in this big book here to the Corinthians in chapter 4. Paul referred to our bodies as jars of clay with treasure hidden inside of them. He knew. He knew about the good news of the kingdom of the human child. He knew what we really were. That's what's really going on with this life of ours. That's the mystery. That there's a child inside of us all. One who, be, one who will be born again from us. The one in which you and I will become when this body of ours fades away. Paul writes this. So we do not lose heart even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. Remember that. 
You know, when I'm playing basketball and my knee gets hurt, I remember about the new knee I'll have one day. Paul says, for this slight momentary affliction. Sometimes life feels like a slight momentary affliction. He says, for this slight momentary affliction is preparing us. What do you do when you work out? You tear muscles. You break your body down. And what happens when you go to sleep? It rebuilds into something stronger than there was before. First, it needed to be broken. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. Because we're getting new eyes, aren't we? For what can be seen is temporary. But what cannot be seen is eternal. May we be born again. Not in the evangelical sense of the word. But may we be born again to the possibility that lies within us. Mary taught what Christ taught. Her voice was left out. And we know why. Women are still fighting for their voice. But Mary wanted us to know what Christ taught. That a child is being born inside of us. And when that day comes, when we die, and something new comes out of us, God will take our minds, all of our experiences that we didn't have until we lived. And he'll unwrap it from that dead body of flesh. And the great father, do you know the ruah in Hebrew is feminine? It means mother Every time Jesus said spirit, he was saying mother, but we rendered it him. So let me remind us that the great father and the great mother, the great Ruah, HaKadosh in Hebrew, will swaddle their new creation, not in clothes of flesh, but in clothes of immortality. Remember when they found Christ in his tomb? What did they find? His old linens folded neatly inside. And what did they find instead? They found the one wrapped in clothes, dazzling so bright, they could hardly see. But Mary saw. And her story helps us See what's going on today. As we celebrate Palm Sunday tomorrow, after hearing what Mary has reminded us, do you know that Palm Sunday should be the most cel? You know, we have the kids run around, but sometimes maybe we forget what is actually being said. We're not going to die. That is the best news I've ever heard. You might have a hard week. Corona might stink, but it's going to be okay. So I can't help but say it. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. I really mean it. Glory be to the one who brought us such good news. Amen.